Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and their experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, check out practical-leadership.academy. Mary Tunzi, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Can you introduce yourself? Um, well, that's, that's a, I guess, should be a simple one. Um, so my name is Mehdi. Um, I'm a um, Senior Regional Director for Open Sesame. Um, I've been in the learning industry for, gosh, uh, probably more years than I, I could care to count. But um, so, uh, yeah, north of 20 years um, within the learning industry. Um, I've always been excited about people and working with people and, and you know, challenging the status quo. So that's probably why I stuck with the um, the learning industry. And you're ridiculously well-traveled. I mean, from the UK to Australia to New York, back to the UK to... I would say I'm very fortunate. Um, so I'm, and for those who haven't picked it up yet, um, I'm French. So born and raised in the uh, beautiful city of Lyon. Um, and after finishing my studies, I moved to the UK. And then after spending seven years in the UK, I had the opportunity to uh, go and work in Australia. So I've worked in Australia for a few years. And then a few years ago, got the opportunity to go and work um, in the US. So was based in New York, um, short of three years, and then moved back to London. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just very fortunate to have been at the right place at, at the right time. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily that well traveled. I know there's many places I still haven't seen and would love to see. Well, I don't know if it's uh, quality over quantity, though. I was in the Middle East last week. I, w- I was in Dubai. But despite all these, I still get excited at the prospect of traveling and going to a new place and, you know, meeting new people and discovering somehow I managed to remain a kid at heart. And that certainly helped a great deal throughout the um, most of my career. I know what you mean when it comes to the, the, the travel and the adventure. I used to travel a lot for work. And in the same way that uh, my kids really get excited whenever we go anywhere new, uh, you have this degree of there's this frisson of apprehension. It's like, oh, plus the excitement of getting to go somewhere and you do something new, but meet new people. You know, how am I going to be able to understand them? Will, will they understand me? Is it, you know, it doesn't matter about the languages. It's, uh, it, you're spot on, Paul. I, I, I'd say, and, and, and maybe that, that's also over the past few years, to the detriment of my waistline and the food, it's just I get so excited at the prospect of being able to eat different foods. And that's probably why I love living in London. It's just that that opportunity to be able to eat something different based on, you know, what I fancy. You know, you're not wrong. I hadn't actually thought about that, but it is it's a big part of it is the food as well. It's one of the first things I touched down in Oslo Airport and they've got this brilliant it's an airport right but they've got this brilliant hot dog stand and i love norwegian hot dogs first thing i don't care what time it is i've just had my breakfast or it's like 10 o'clock at night i'm gonna have a fabulous norwegian hot dog with this so hold on what what is a norwegian hot dog because i i you've got my curiosity now but i i I, there's two things i had not even put together norway (laughs) and hot dogs so it's a thing, it's a thing. When they have this wonderful thing called the France hot dog, where they have like a baguette hollowed out, and they put this lovely creamy dressing in and then shove the hot dog into it. Um, but you can also have the other one, which is like a traditional, like a New York type thing, where they have really 
crunchy, crispy, oniony bits on it or something. Oh, it's got a specific relish to go with that? Yeah, it's a really nice it's, you know, hot dog dressing, they call it. Anyway. Well, see, there you go. Because I, again, I would have never put Norway as a, a food destination anyway. So. <laughs> it's not, well, no, actually, that's not fair. It's not fair. It is actually, it's, it's like London maybe 15 years ago. It used to not be a, a destination you'd go to, but it is actually quite something now. They have amazing restaurants now. But, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's not necessarily the fancy food that actually turns you on. It's a really. No, I, I, so I'm, I'm 100% with you. It's, it's two things. It's, one has to be wise because I love street food, but depending which country you're traveling to, mm. one wants to be very careful with street food. Um, but at the same time, it's also, I, I like just staying away from like the, you're obvious, I would stay away from like any chain or whatever. And oh, so yeah. I, as an example, in, in when I was in um, Dubai, I just discovered that restaurant. It actually has been voted um, one of the top 50 restaurants in the Middle East and, Af- and North Africa called Trois Fils. It's um, actually a, so you can't book table. It's first come, first serve kind of basis. And I love that, that they, you know, they're not taking it to a, a posh level. Um, but the, the food is a mix of, it literally is a, a mix of Asian, it's an Asian fusion with Middle Eastern or, or French. It's, it's just wonderful. It really is uh, amazing food, really tasty. Decently priced, which is always important. So I, I I love finding places like that that are mostly you know visited by locals, uh, but where you have to queue because that's always a good sign. That, you know you're heading for a good place. <laughs> Marvelous, right? We better get back on track. I tell you. So tell me, um, after all of your travels, all of your experiences, and you've been in this learning industry, kind of like me as well for. 20 plus years and you're showing your age there talking about cd-roms what about laser discs oh my god in that time at what point did you first become a people manager so for for a, a good chunk of that um i was an ic so i was an individual contributor and i kind of enjoyed it quite a lot and i i think i enjoyed it because and i've only reflected on that in fact it's my ceo that helped me reflect on that recently that I'm a um, self-starter, and it's not me singing my praises. It's more the case that I get far more excited and engaged when we have a blank canvas and we need to build things from scratch versus scaling something that already exists. And I'm, I'm, that's not where where I get excited, and it's definitely not where my skills um, lie. So it's, it's much more in that opportunity of being able to build things from scratch. And, and I strongly believe that before asking anyone to do anything, I have to be prepared to do it. And I have to know how to do it myself because in other words, it's very hard to just lead people into it. So it's probably about 10 years into my career, that's when I I started having to lead people. Um, And I realized that because I love people, because I love this industry, it's much easier for me to surround myself with people that are quite autonomous and, and need probably more guidance and coaching versus being told what to do. Um, a, because I don't necessarily see the point of, you know, the, the whole point of like having people around you is not necessarily for me to tell them what to do, but rather just like, you know, help them be the best version of themselves. And and I think I'm a, if you remember the, the, the was it, I think it was called Good Morning Britain, or it was a TV program when I first moved to the UK, and they had that chap called Mr. Motivator. They had the most ridiculous outfits, and I quite fancy myself at, at, as that. It's really helping people to, like, you know, be able to like, deliver the, the best they can deliver, and and just allow them to remain 
within the the remit of what you know we require as a business how do you reconcile you're surrounding yourself with people who are self-starters like you but at the same time you just said you feel that you need to be able to do everything yourself before you can ask anyone else well so first of all i i don't that doesn't mean that i need to be able to do it well and that's where actually that helps me recognize and identify the right people for the job because there are many things that you know I had to do myself, and I certainly did not do a good job at it. At it. But this is, uh, it helped me understand what is required and then be able to identify that person is going to be amazing at doing that. So I want to be able to support that person and help that person. But I want to be able to tell them, okay, that's what to expect. I, I don't want to throw people in the deep end without having any understanding of what I'm asking of, of others, if that makes sense. So you want a degree of domain knowledge, but not necessarily expertise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I don't think you can be an expert in everything. No. Um, and and fair enough. When you, we started the, the conversation, you, I was talking about how impressed I am with like, um, you as a polyglot and your your, your language skills. But I, I'm very. I think I'm a jack of all trades, but I'm an expert at none. So it, it's more about okay, who are the right people, and how can I get those people to be the best at what they do within their like, a specific remit. And that's where maybe I'm. I'm I'm decent, I'd say, but I don't have the expertise in like any specific field as much as just a, 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 a more macro understanding of our industry and the environment we're in to be able to help the people I surround myself with. And, I, and in fact, I shouldn't say like I surround myself with. It's the opposite. I, I strongly believe in the, the servant leader and as, a, as an approach in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's the joy of coaching, I think, is part of that. You don't actually have to have the answers. No, and so if anything, um, it's probably the best learning. It's it is two things, and and uh, I might shock a few people, but being French, I need to embrace humility as often as I can. So, admitting, I, I think there's a there's a, a great you know learning step in being able to admit to the people that you're supposed to lead that you don't necessarily have the answers, but then. Also, being able to ask the questions, you know, so that we can maybe as a group come to the right answer, and then ultimately, yes, you know, I'll have to 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 make that call because I'm accountable for for it. But that's my job, and that's that's my choice. But yeah, having that collaborative approach to um, solving things and and just being able to say, honestly, I don't know, you know, what do you think? Help me, help me understand. What would be the advice then? In that context, that you would give to a new people manager, I'd say it's, it's probably two, two things. It's really not to underestimate the the power of like listening. Really listen to you know, and do not dismiss any ideas. So really allow for people to be able to come up with ideas and not dismissing them. And and then the other one is is probably. It's something I've learned a long time ago. A long time ago, I read a, a book by, um, I think it's a Ken Blanchard book. It's called Well Done, um, as in like, well, the, the, the fish, W-H-A-L-E um, and, and, and done. And it, the, the book talks about the example of, um, you know, how in one of the uh, Florida parks where they train like killer whales, how they train them and how the, the training is done by putting the emphasis on praise. And one of the examples that completely reson- resonated with me, especially now that my kids are teenagers, they were saying when like, a kid learns to like, walk and how 
he or she would make like a few first steps and then fall and then try again. What we do as parents, the first thing is first you allow them to try those steps, knowing that they will fall. And then you just praise them so that they start again. And and I've taken that with me. That resonated with me a lot big time. So allowing your people maybe sometimes to make mistakes, to be able to learn from those mistakes, even though you know, okay, that's not going to pay off. I, I'd rather you learn for yourself and, you know, I'll be there to support you and guide you through that. But, okay, if you feel strongly that, please try it. My conviction is that that's not going to be the, the right thing and you probably failed, but I'd rather it's a collective thing and it's controlled and you can learn through that process versus dismissing and not allowing you to understand why it was a mistake in the first place. So allowing people to make them make mistakes, I think is crucial. And, and also, I mean, almost embracing mistakes, not in the sense that, you know, your culture should be, yay, let's, you know, celebrate mistakes. Well done, you've made another mistake. But just, it is part of the learning process, you know, allowing for those mistakes to happen because from those mistakes, there's so many other opportunities that open up. So that, that's probably, that would be my advice. What would you say is your best practical how-to then? To probe and really ask questions to try and understand not take the, you know, whatever first answer is given to, you know, push, tell me more. Okay, tell me more. What do you mean? How? And really push it and listen at the same time, you know. Try and, and you know, suss out whether it's the, the, the person and whatever challenge they, they, they're dealing with or just a, a situation, but really probing as much as possible. So, you know, pushing the asking approach, the tell me more approach um, to the maximum so that you, you really have a very clear picture. So is that that's a sales discovery technique? Um, it, I was going to say it's, it's a life skill discovery uh -huh. technique. I, I don't know that, that it, I don't know that it's specific to, 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 to sales. And it is, it, even in, uh, in, in every day, I, you know, you meet people, how, yeah, I'm good. People never, I mean, if I'm not good, I'm not going to say it like, you know, right away and the funny thing is sometimes i try and people say how is it going and i say oh it's awful so okay good and then it's just because you, we we're not listening no one is prepared to listen in in the first instance so you know by repeating and pushing and pushing until you get to the bottom of okay how is it really going just tell me you know and then i think sometimes we underestimate the the, the power of open questions and it's not again i don't think it's something specific to sales I think it's, you know, to anything. How is it really going? Yeah. I like that. Thank you. I, I can't take credit for it. But if no one does, I'll happily do. Totally. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's the, the, the Tunsi formula. Yeah, I, I like that. Was there an event or a mistake that perhaps shaped the way that you uh, manage and lead people today? Yeah, I'd, I'd say my, uh, my experience in the US. Um, which, you know, from a business standpoint, probably turned out to be a, a total disaster. In fact, it, it was, it, 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 from a business standpoint, it was a really total disaster. There's lots of mistakes on my part in terms of like, um, assessing, accepting. So it's it, 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 funny, just earlier on, we were talking about, you know, going global and how there's not one size fits all. And, and when I went to the US, I wrongly went to the US with that real, that assumption that, well, it's going to be very similar to here. You know, they speak the same language, can't be that different. 
And boy, oh boy, was I in for surprise that culturally I've just probably every mistake in the book I've I've made. Um, I've learned a great deal from it. Uh, but it, it's what was interesting is that so from a business standpoint, made the wrong like wrong decisions, had the wrong approach, really like all along the line, like every mistake you can think of, I think I've I've gone through. And then at a personal level, the first year was really tough for us as a family because I, I took my family there. And again, I think I had underestimated the fact that culturally it would be far more culture shock almost than if you went to, I don't know, Japan or a country where it's a different languages, everything is different and you have that expectation and we didn't have that expectation. So I think that helped me in hindsight. I'm, I'm glad that happened because I learned a great deal. I learned to make less assumption, ask more questions, dig, you know, probably dig deeper in those specific questions in assessing the uh, the situation, um, in allowing allowing ideas to like, flourish as well, not killing ideas straight off the bat. Um, that I think that that was one of the the, the biggest learning uh, steps for me is just being able to appreciate that, keep an open mind, let it all out. And um, we were talking about drawing earlier on, and you know that creative drawing process, and, and you made a a great recommendation. I, I'll definitely try. And maybe that's what I missed. Maybe I went straight away thinking, yeah, no, I know exactly. And God, boy, boy, did I not know. <laughs> um, so that was, that was yeah. I'm, I'm glad that happened. Um, as painful as it was, um, it was also very useful. Can we dig in that a little bit? Mm -hmm. So you said, I mean, the, the, it was the first of the two pieces of advice you wanted to give to someone would be listen and don't dismiss ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you evolve? How did you get that? Well, ideas you would give because something then must have driven you. So at some point you've dismissed something. I've, I've yeah, I've dismissed that um, other people's opinion, other people's um, expertise, and um, probably uh, I guess partly arrogance on my part, thinking well, you know, I've got a good track record, so surely I know best. Um, and especially in the context of the US, just realizing that. It is a very different market. And, you know, prior to that, most of the work I had done, whether it was in Australia, whether it was so when I was based in the UK, I mostly worked across the um, the EMEA market, and so I had a decent understanding of those markets. I had no understanding of the US market, and um, and those around me and those that I hired that also came up with you know things that would have avoided like, very painful situations. I, I dismissed and I, I you know thoroughly regret now not listening to them, not listening to their opinion and, and their advice, thinking I knew best. Everybody um, knows best. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, and I should know better because I've been married like, you know, almost 20 years. So I know <laughs> <laughs> more often than not. I do not know. Um, but yeah, at, at the time, that was the, um, I think there was a, yeah, it's, it's probably a mix of, arrogance and being convinced that it, it would be similar to what I had experienced before, but it wasn't at all. I didn't allow for, I didn't allow myself to ask the questions. I didn't, you know, ask around, ask the, the right people, really understand, really, the, you know, like they tell me more. I did not do that at all. I, I went just like, I, I, almost the cliche of what I expected things to be and like, I didn't want to see, that's exactly what I've done. I just went uh, all guns blazing. Yeah. 
just move away. I know exactly I knew nothing, but do you know it's a recurring theme among the thoughtful, creative, intelligent people that I've been talking to in the last month or so on this podcast. And it's not, it's just an inability to learn from our mistakes. You'd think that, you know, my mum used to say, once is an accident, twice is stupidity. He said, no, 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 twice is just getting started. It really is. There was a, a lovely chap, a Norwegian chap, Thomas Berglund, and he was saying, you know, he, he hires the wrong people. He falls in love with people, I think. You hire the wrong people. He's done it again and again and again. You eventually, you try to put these things in place to stop you. Please save me from myself. You know, it's yeah. It, I mean, it, it's not an easy one. But I, well, first of all, I don't think I would sign up um, anytime soon now for a, a big project like that without really having a literally not a dedicated project team. I, I, I was very very naive about how I, I've approached things, um, and I can only blame myself for that because I could have said, "Oh, hold on." Let's plan things properly. Let's do more research. Let's let me ask more questions. Let's ask the people I'm asking to do the things to like, tell me what they think, um, and not just tell them what I need them to or what I thought I needed them to do. Was it eighty percent, eighty-five percent of the trouble you have you can solve in advance by finding the right people, having the right people in the right jobs? So I, I totally agree. It's funny if I look at that specific experience. No, actually, no. I'm I'm lying because I see myself now exactly in a, in in a slightly different but similar predicament in the sense that yeah, I uh, maybe just like Thomas, um, I love people and and maybe I put sometimes too much self belief in people being able to do things that I think they want to do and it might not necessarily be the case or maybe they're not best suited for that. Um, yeah, if you find a way of solving that one, well, no, I, I certainly would be um, would be happy to um, to, to listen to it. This is a random example. It's not. It kind of fits in with our our food fantasies. That I sent my son to school with a packed lunch. He goes every day with a packed lunch. He usually makes mm -hmm. it himself. But this day we had leftover chicken, and he loves his meat. I like my meat. He loves his meat. So he went with couple of drumsticks, chicken drumsticks, right? Because mm -hmm. I said, oh, you'd love these. You'll love these. And he said, oh, yeah, daddy. Yeah, I'll, I'll take them. Hated them, didn't have them, brought them home again. The kid was starving. <laughs> I was thinking, God, because what was he doing? I said, oh, you'll love these, thinking that he would love them. But no, no, no. He did it because he, he believed, kind of, that he yeah. would. But he believed it because I said he would believe. Yeah, And, of course... If we're people, people, then we're good at this. We're good at getting people to do things, but without perhaps reflecting or asking the questions in the first place, is this really, do you really want them? Or do you just want a sandwich? <laughs> you know, are you really ready for this opportunity, for this task? Is it something you think we should be doing in the first place? Or should you just have an apple with your lunch instead? <laughs> I, no, I I, t I totally agree, and, and I'm definitely guilty as charged where sometimes I allow my excitement or passion or, yeah. or, or whatever it's called to almost dictate the the agenda, and maybe because people want to please you, mm. then they'll they'll go with it, 
while in fact they know deep down and you should know deep down that it's not the the best fit and to your point maybe it should be just a, a cheese sandwich not necessarily drumsticks oh. um but yeah and, i like that i'm going to call it the drumstick analogy now that's it it is what it is um in some way i think because I know I tend to get quite excited about things sometimes. I do try to dial it back down from 12 down to about a nine. Um, your passion and enthusiasm for things and your ability to persuade and convince people. Number one, you convince and persuade yourself. Number two, you convince and persuade the people around you strongly. And then we're both kind of nice people, right? Ish. Um, I'd like to think so. And, and I, I think perhaps that some of the people around us, even though we don't hire people who are yes men or women, they don't really want to say no because they're going to kick the puppy. I mean, just kick the damn puppy and give him a cheese sandwich. Oh my goodness, where is this going? This is a terrible analogy, but you, you, you see the idea. No, but you, you're spot on, Paula. And, and I think that's, that's that really thin line between having people that, you know, buy into that passion and enthusiasm and at the same time we have people that aren't able to say no i disagree because but then you don't want someone who's just spent their time almost just killing the, the whole enthusiasm and and disagree so it, it's it's that tough balance i i wouldn't want a you know yes boss type of person i want people to be their own people and you know have their own opinion and be able to come up sometimes with, with really constructive you know disagreement on topics and I, I do enjoy disagreement um but it, it's sometimes for the benefits of the uh, the group i'd rather those who are always in disagreement um you know would would not be yeah i mean i think i think i found when i used to do big team meetings was at the beginning i'd have the same three or four slides every single time and it was around the confidentiality of what we're talking about and the values of the company and their role. And their role was to speak up. Your role is not to sit there and nod. Your role is actually to find the problems and why the hypothesis should fail. You're looking to falsify the hypothesis. It's a scientific method, right? You put mm -hmm. forward the idea. Everybody's job is to break it. Not to say no because, just because, but to say, well, it's not going to work because. And then when that runs out, you're thinking, oh, okay, actually, you know, you could have a thing here. It's it's actually very interesting. Um, last week, I, I was attending a, a workshop and we did um, an exercise that they call a pre-mortem. Oh, they're where, wonderful. Yeah, I, yes. I had not done that before. And I thought it's very interesting because to your point, it's very constructive as into, okay, what could kill what we're doing now? But then let's solve the counter. Okay, if that happens and not you know completely kills what we're doing in our business and what have you how do we make sure that you know we still survive and be able to uh, so i i really enjoy that exercise and, and maybe that's an exercise that should be i don't know if there's a way of making it simpler to a certain extent but be put to the to the test or to groups more often that I, I plan on doing it with my team because i think it's important that um we reassess constantly ourselves and how we do things um but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a powerful tool to use for uh, change when you're bringing a new idea of change. And we're going to do it like this, okay? But before we do it, what we have to do is we have to go through and brainstorm and find all the different ways that we are going to make this fail. What are we going to do that is going to stop this working? 
who are we going to talk about, how are we going to present it, all the different things we're going to do to break it, to falsify it, to not, not to falsify it, but to, to prevent it from ever working. Yeah. And then once you've got that big list, you go through and say, how do we not do that stuff? How do we not do the stuff that would fall, that would make it fail? That's really good. And, and, and I love how it just, it, it just galvanized everyone to really, anything outside the box, that, and that's the other thing. I, I, I need, I only thrive if I can surround myself with like, um, people who are able to like, think outside the box. And, and to a certain extent, it is also my job to like, push people outside of their comfort zone so that they can like, think outside the box. That's another thing I think that is important in terms of like management or leading people is to have that diversity of ideas and perspectives. And diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you working on at present? What are we working on? Um, I'm excited because um, my team is growing. So it's really being able to find any. It's funny because we preach on a daily basis how we can help organizations, you know, um, make the best use of their talent and the war on talent is still very much on. I've been struggling to find people. Um, it, it's so I'm trying to to grow the team. I'm trying to find, and you know, as you, it, so I, I'm, I'm very uncultured, so I'll, I'll make Russians to football, but um, it's, I'm not looking for a superstar. I'm looking for someone who will add value to like the, the team. So someone who's great in their own right, but when added to the team, then that makes the team even better than it currently is. Um, and so I'm working on that and I'm finding it challenging. And then we have, in a few weeks time, we have a, a, our first private event for um, our customers in EMEA. So I really look forward to like, being able to meet people face-to-face. I missed that. And we discussed it earlier on, but I really missed being face-to-face and exchanging with people and you know being able to just have a drink and have a chat and beyond just the ra- the realm of, okay, what's your budget? What are we looking at? How are we implementing this? But, you know, what are, you know, what's really on your mind as a, as a person, as a business where, and because we, we have like, you know, most of us have common challenges. So I think there's value in being able to exchange and put it out there and, and see where that takes us. What do you read or listen to? So I am, um, I must confess that um, because I cycle to work, um, I'm a huge fan and shameless plug, but uh, uh, Blinkist. So Blinkist, they do like, book digest and they have audio versions of, of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, um, a lot of their books, which incidentally, eventually when I come across like a good Blinkist, I end up buying the book and then reading the full book. Um, recent, I mean, recently, I've read it a while ago, but I've reread it recently because I, I guess for me, it's a good... Um, you mentioned very kindly at the beginning that you know I was well traveled and what have you. And even though sometimes I think to myself, "Oh yeah, great, I've lived and traveled in so many different places," I I know a lot. And I've read the Culture Map uh, by Aaron Meyer, and I realized, boy oh boy, I'm so glad I read that book because it's uh, to your point actually. It's probably what you do, Paul, as well is there are things we know, but and. Until it is structured and someone tells us how you should go about it now, you can't really put your finger on it to, to, to get value out of it. So just like you, you do that for you know leaders um, all around, that book did that for me in terms of being able to like, help educate those around me about how, how we should do business when we're dealing with, I mean, 114 countries in our case for, for, for my EMEA market and, and not go with that assumption that I know it all or 
it's just our way and there are no other ways. So it, it's I love the fact that it really allows you to and to funny thing, I had never realized that um how French I was in, in my way of communicating in, in the sense that it, there's a the whole chapter about how the French um seem to be quite controversial or you know disruptive in, in meetings and always there's even an expression like l'exception française. So for every rule, there is an exception, and that would be the French. And the purpose is not to just go against it. It's just because I think it's innate culturally that it is through disagreement that we can come to an idea together. But it has to start with being able to, you know, almost do that pre-mortem process for everything in order to agree. And it's it's not personal. It's it's just the way things are, are conducted versus a you know, I guess the, the English is slightly different because um, they, they, for me, there's sometimes there's a lack of um, assertiveness. It's everything is very polite, and but you might be missing that. So, what does it mean? Do you agree? Do you not agree? I'm not. I'm not quite clear. Um, but so, I, I great book, strongly recommend it. And um, for anyone who's not necessarily doing business internationally, but wants to better understand communication styles and how culture really impacts your, your, your communication style. The culture maps a great book. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. What would you like to thank young Medi for doing? Um, for being curious. I, I think that's the, 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 the thing that, you know, how I ended up doing all the things I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to do in, go to all those places. It's just, it was curiosity. And um, I know, you know, the saying is curiosity killed the cat. I'm still around, thankfully. Uh, but but it's just that for, it's it's not just scarce of like no fear. It was more than, the fear was there, but the curiosity was much stronger than the fear. And that's just being curious. Okay, oh, trying to work there. Oh, let's try that. Going there. Oh, let's try that. Um, impos- the imposter syndrome's been a, like probably a you know all around my my career I've always had the imposter syndrome I always felt that I was not necessarily good enough not necessarily skilled enough not had enough experience but the curiosity of like how can I do that how can I live there how can I work with that group or that group that has always been like almost a stronger um, driver than like all the other all the other things so um, I, I would think Maybe for like, allowing his curiosity to really take over any other feelings that came after that. And lastly, as we wrap up, where can we find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. So, Meritunsi. Um, Twitter, even though I'm not overly active, I would be at Learn Diversity. Um, and, and, and that's it. I don't necessarily do um, social media, so I'm afraid. But Twitter and LinkedIn are. are Quite like them. There's a uh, lots of like, fascinating people, lots of like, very nice things to read and, and exchange on. So feel free, feel free to reach out and on any of those two. Mehdi, from a journey from the UK to Australia to New York City, as a self-starter who says we shouldn't dismiss other people's ideas, praise people as you train them, ask lots of questions, dig in. And mistake maker and learner extraordinaire, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thanks a million, Paul. Always a, a pleasure catching up and I certainly look forward to more conversations. 
That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework, subscribe and share this with a friend or colleague. Please leave your five-star review and any comments you have because that really helps me to improve every day and it helps people to discover me online. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, you should check out practical-leadership.academy.